Hello, everybody. It's June 6th, and we are grateful to have you with us on this fortifying journey, reading through the scriptures page by page, day by day. My name is David McAdam, and I'm delighted to serve as your host of this one-year Bible tour guide podcast. We invite you to ask a friend or a neighbor if they've ever read the world's number one bestseller, the book of books, the Bible, and to join us. Not only do we read the scripture portion for each day, but we give a short commentary pointing out highlights that you don't want to miss. By this time, I'm sure you realize that this book stands apart from any other. It is not a book that glorifies man, but it directs us to the power of God that can transform a man. Today in the New Testament, we will continue to read of what Jesus continues to do and teach, this time not in his personal body, which was limited to one location at a time, but in his corporate body, the church, which is expressing his life in obedience to the Great Commission. As Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit has been given and is empowering ordinary people to do extraordinary things as witnesses to the reality of his atoning death on the cross, his victorious resurrection, and the new life we have to partake in as we come to him in penitent faith. These believers, like ourselves, are commissioned and empowered to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Today, we will start a new book in the Old Testament, our 11th book, the book of First Kings. We'll be picking up where we left off as David's rule comes to an end. We will see in this book that as the kings of Israel lean further on their own understanding and become progressively dull of hearing, God will amplify his own voice by sending prophets. First, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 1. The family intrigues follow David even to his dying days. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. David in his old age. Now King David was old and advanced in years, and although they covered him with clothes, he could not get warm. Therefore his servants said to him, Let a young woman be sought for my lord the king, and let her wait on the king and be in his service. Let her lie in your arms, that my lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a beautiful young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very beautiful, and she was of service to the king and attended to him, but the king knew her not. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen, and fifty men to run before him. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done thus and so? He was also a very handsome man, and he was born next after Absalom. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they followed Adonijah and helped him. But Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei and Rai, and David's mighty men were not with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle by the serpent's stone, which is beside En-Rogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaiah, or the mighty men, or Solomon his brother. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Now therefore come, let me give you advice, that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go in at once to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord the king, swear to your servant, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, 
and he shall sit on my throne? Why then is Adonijah king? Then, while you are still speaking with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in his chamber. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was attending to the king. Bathsheba bowed and paid homage to the king, and the king said, What do you desire? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah is king, although you, my lord the king, do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon your servant he has not invited. And now, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will come to pass, when my lord the king sleeps with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in, and they told the king, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord the king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down this day, and has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and saying, Long live King Adonijah, but me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon he has not invited. Has this thing been brought about by my lord the king, and you have not told your servants who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Then king David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my lord, King David, live forever. King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my lord the king, say so. As the Lord has been with my lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord king David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy. 
so that the earth was split by their noise. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished feasting. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan the son of Abiathar the priest came. And Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our lord King David has made Solomon king, and the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon, and they have gone up from their rejoicing, so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours, and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each went his own way. And Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon. For behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and paid homage to King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of First Kings. Let's take a few moments to recap. David is now advanced in years and perhaps is suffering from poor circulation. He cannot get warm even while piling on clothes. His servants advise David to take a beautiful young virgin, Abishag, into his service. The scripture seems to indicate that the young girl serves as his hot water bottle. Even though it is stated that they did not have sexual relations, the suggestion shocks our sense of moral propriety. Adonijah is now the oldest surviving son and assumes it is time for him to take over the kingdom. David's oldest, Amnon, was killed by Absalom. The second-born, Kiliab, or Daniel, must have died because there is no record of his life. The third son, Absalom, was killed by Joab, leaving Adonijah next in line. Adonijah exalts himself and gathers those whom he knows as supportive, while he proclaims himself his father's successor as king. Joab and Abiathar assist his coronation plans. However, Zadok the priest, Benaiah, one of the celebrated mighty men, and Nathan the prophet were not supportive of Adonijah. They go to David to inquire what his real intentions are for a successor. A sad commentary on David's parenting is found in verse 6. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, Why have you done so? And he was also a very handsome man, and he was born after Absalom. 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 6 This suggests that David indulged his sons, neglecting his responsibility to discipline them when they were young. It appears that he only had a superficial knowledge of his family members. Adonijah, 
was very careful to keep those who were not supportive of his self-proclamation off the coronation guest list. Solomon, Nathan, Benaiah, or any of the other mighty men were not invited. It was not uncommon for anyone who claimed the throne to kill all possible competitors. For this reason, Nathan decides to act quickly and protect Solomon and his mother from possible death by asking Bathsheba to remind David of his promise to put Solomon on the throne. Bathsheba also tells David what Adonijah has done to put himself forward as king. David confirms that Solomon is his choice for a successor and gives instructions that his coronation should take place immediately. Zadok anoints Solomon as the rightful king. Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest, interrupts the coronation feast of Adonijah, the usurper. Expecting good news, Adonijah welcomes him. Our Lord King David has made Solomon king. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 43. The phrase is similar to what we just heard the Apostle Peter proclaim concerning the ascension of Christ. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. What is good news for Israel is bad news for the usurper. Adonijah's supporters flee, and Adonijah, afraid for his life, lays claim to mercy by grabbing the horns of the altar. Solomon offers mercy on the condition that Adonijah remains faithful and submissive. To be continued tomorrow. Now we move on to our New Testament reading from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 37. The Apostles Peter and John before the Council. Chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all 
in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than forty years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament book of Acts. What a great example we have in the apostles. They use every opportunity God gives them to preach Christ. Jesus is constantly the theme of their message. The healing of the lame man needed an explanation. There was no explanation but Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Jesus forewarned his disciples that they would be empowered by the Spirit and persecuted by the world. He said, These things I have spoken to you, so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. John 16, verses 1 through 3. As Peter and John were speaking, the scriptures point out that both were addressing the crowd, ten power groups opposed them. First, the priests. Secondly, the captain of the temple guard. Third, the Sadducees, the theological liberals of their day, sympathizers with Rome. Fourthly, the rulers, in verse 5. Fifthly, the elders. Six, the scribes. Seven, Annas, the former high priest. Eight, Caiaphas, 
Annas' son-in-law and the current high priest. 9. John, an opponent, and verse 6. 10. Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. We can learn from the response of the apostles. They were submissive in Acts 4, verses 1 through 3. Spirit-filled in Acts 4, verse 8. And they were shrewd in Acts 4, verses 8 through 10. They turned their opposition into an opportunity to speak. They set the record straight. They were announcing that Jesus is the authority and power to be reckoned with. By this name, the lame man was healed, and by this name alone can mankind be saved. Acts chapter 4, verses 4, 8 through 10, and 12. Their response was scriptural in verse 11, and sure in verses 8 and 12. Where did their confidence come from? It came from the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, 8, from the resurrection of Christ in verse 10, and from the healed man in verses 10 and 13, from fulfilled scripture in verse 11, and the incomparable nature of Christ in verse 12. Our confidence in witness should be based on these solid realities. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. May this be said of us also. These ten power groups are at a loss of what to do. The physical evidence of the healed man is indisputable. The events that they spoke about were known by everyone in Jerusalem. In verse 16, they were not done in a corner. They decide to give a gag order. But Peter and John, with a submissive spirit, demonstrate that their allegiance was to a higher authority. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. The apostles were not intimidated by this episode of interrogation. They immediately went to join the other believers who were gathering in prayer. This corporate prayer meeting is very instructive. Number one, they recognized God's sovereignty and supremacy in the situation and over all heaven and earth, in verse 24. Number two, they recognized Scripture's full inspiration and authority, in verse 25, and its relevance to their situation, their faith, and practice. Number three, they realize that the issue is always Christ. He is the reference point. These ten powers are not mustering against them as much as against Christ. In verse 26. Number four, the perpetrators of Christ's crucifixion and the perpetrators of the apostles' persecution exercised their free will in their wicked deeds, and they would be held fully accountable and responsible for them. In verse 27. Number five, not one thought, motive, or action of any individual or group is unnoticed by God. Nothing escapes integration into His master plan. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Number six, rather than praying for less persecution and easier situations, they pray for a greater manifestation of God's power and advance of His kingdom purposes. Verses 31 through 37 describe the impact of the Holy Spirit's power upon the community. Number one, 
all were filled again with the Holy Spirit, even though they had been baptized with the Spirit at Pentecost. God's presence and power was sensed again and again in chapter 4, verse 31. Number two, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's filling was that they spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Number three, there was a supernatural experience of oneness. They were one in heart and mind in verse 32. Number four, they demonstrated compassionate materialism. This was not communism. Their property still belonged to them, but they shared unselfishly. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Number five, they experienced grace and power and could testify of the impact of the resurrection on their lives in verse 33. Number six, they were aware of needs in the community and met them, treating every believer as a family member. Number seven, they were committed to supporting the ongoing work of discipleship and evangelism materially and financially. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, was an example of one who liquidated assets and brought the money to the apostles to ensure the continuing work of the church in fulfilling the Great Commission. Now let's go to the Bible songbook, the Book of Psalms. We have been reading the Songs of Ascent, those songs that were sung by pilgrims as they made their way up to Jerusalem to worship. Reading Psalm 124 will be our daughter-in-law, Heather McAdam. Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord. Psalm 124, verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you, Heather. If the Lord had not been on our side, you can fill in the blanks. The psalmist admits that if the Lord had not been on their side, they would have been goners. Therefore, he praises the Lord who has provided for their deliverance, for their salvation. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now let's go to today's reading from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Our words can bring healing or pain. Ask the Holy Spirit to bridle your tongue. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that you will give grace to those who hear. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Lord, you are the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Your counsel will not be thwarted. You have made Jesus, whom men crucified, but you raised from the dead, to be Lord and Christ in the ascension. We have the same certainties as the apostles to bolster our boldness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and make us faithful witnesses, fervent intercessors, and strategic ambassadors. Give us pleasant words, words of grace that will draw people to your Son. And we ask it in His name, 
In the name of Jesus, amen. It is such a privilege to have the Word of God in hand, to have an opportunity to read the Word of God with brothers and sisters, to read it aloud, to have our hearts and minds filled with its truth. And I trust this time has been an encouragement to you and that you will encourage others to read God's Word, to be exposed to the truth, the truth as it is in Jesus. And it is this truth, the truth of the Gospel, that will make you free. We look forward to continuing our read-through tomorrow. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or you would like to subscribe to a daily email with a written transcript of our commentary, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. And if you would like to support us in any way financially, you can do so there at that webpage. We love hearing from you and getting feedback, your questions, your comments, and you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until we are together again, may your spirit be filled and fully flooded with God himself.